0: Thank you, Craig. Toe tapping gospel songs. That's good. I, I've been wanting to do a kind of a doctrinal study on Sunday nights. And so we've talked about God, the Trinity. We've talked about the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit last week. And tonight I wanted to talk a little bit about how does God reveal Himself? That's the name of the sermon. And, and once again, like this morning, this is a tour of the Bible in Scripture. I've got one, two, three, four different passages of Scripture because the different ways that God reveals himself to us. Uh, And rather than read them all at the beginning, I'm just gonna read them in the context of the message itself, as we talk about the doctrine of revelation. Bow with me. Father, as we come into your house tonight, thank you for coming to us. Thank you for revealing yourself to us, for not making us have to discover you at the end of some valiant quest because we could never have done that. But you chose to reveal yourself to your creation, the creator doing that. And we are overwhelmed. Be with us, Lord, tonight and those watching by television and help us just to open our eyes and see you so prevalent, so um, near us, all the time, in so many ways. In Jesus' name, amen. I wanna talk about Revelation a little bit tonight and not the book of Revelation, but the doctrine of Revelation. And the question is, how do we know about God? How, most of the time, we don't even think about it. Knowing about God and believing in God for us is just as natural as breathing. But suppose you're talking to somebody at work and she wants to know why you believe the way you do. Or suppose a neighbor is visiting you and he says, I know there's gotta be something more to life than what I'm seeing, something bigger than I am, but who is it, what is it, and how can I know it for sure? Could you explain to that person how we can know about God or maybe in your own personal hour of trial, a crisis, or time of doubt, you begin to wonder yourself, is this for real? How can we know about God? What is he like? Does he care about us? And how how can we know that he does? So that's what I want us to think about this evening. And from the outset, the first thing we need to understand is that we know about God, not because we discovered him, but because he revealed himself to us. God was not found at the end of a chemistry equation or the edge of the universe or the mind of a philosopher. God was not found. He showed himself. He revealed himself himself to us, that's the revelation. Jesus said in John 15, you did not choose me, I chose you, I revealed myself. We did not discover God or think of God or invent God. He came to us, he showed himself to us, he revealed himself to us, and the question is how? I can think of a bunch of ways, but I'm gonna give you four major ways God revealed himself to us tonight. The first way that God reveals himself to us is in nature. There is an interesting story from Paul's first missionary journey in Lystra in Acts chapter 14. That's the first passage of scripture. It's a place called Lystra. Following a healing, the people rush up to worship Paul and Barnabas. They think they are gods. And Paul uses the occasion to correct their their confusion, and to preach a sermon. And this is what he says in Acts 14, verse 15. Men, why are you doing that? Let me back up. Uh, They're coming to worship the, the priest of Zeus, whose temple was in front of the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifices to Paul and Barnabas. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their garments because it was blasphemy. The Jewish people tore their garments when they heard blasphemy. They tore their garments and rushed out among the multitude, crying, Men, why are you doing this? We also are men of like nature with you and bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. Yet he did not leave himself without witness For he did good and gave you from heaven rains and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. So Paul and Barnabas say, look what God has done. He's given you rain. He's given you fruitful seasons. He's satisfied your hearts with food and gladness. Paul is telling the Lystrans, I don't know what people of Lystra are. I just made up (laughs) Lystrans, That from our experience of nature, there has to be a God. Farmers can plant a crop, but they cannot make it grow. We can put a seed in the ground, but we can't make it sprout. We can't even make it rain. We can't make the sun shine when it comes up tomorrow. We could spend the rest of the evening talking about the complexities of the universe and of our world. We can make a contact lens, but we can't make an eye. We can make a hearing aid, but we cannot make an ear. The surgeon can make a cut but he cannot make it heal. We live in a world that is so complex and so full of testimonies that someone living far beyond us has put his mark on it. I remember hearing John Silvoy give his testimony one time. He had a PhD in plant pathology or something like that and he said his conversion experience began when he started studying photosynthesis. Just something as simple as that. And yet when you begin to look at it, you see how complex all the chemical equations have to be for something to take light and water and turn it into food like a plant does. There had to be a God behind the intelligent design of a simple leaf. I love the song, How Great Thou Art. And one of my favorite verses is, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. God reveals himself in nature. I remember when Catherine was in her first month of medical school and she was talking about the chemical balances that have to happen in the human body, just just the, the very basic things that have to be in a perfect balance for life to be sustained and and how there has to be a God who put all that together to make it happen. But there's another side of nature that we have to be honest about too. Because the same nature that gives our bodies the power to heal. That gives the, the beautiful turning of leaves in the fall. The same nature also brings hurricanes and tornadoes and Ebola viruses. And so how do we scare, square that with the idea that nature is evidence that God is at work? Well, nature does not give us a perfect picture of God. So let's move on. God reveals himself through nature, but he also reveals himself through Scripture. 2 Timothy 3 16. You know the passage. 16 and 17. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. If the man of God may be complete thoroughly equipped for every good work. That means God speaks to us through the Bible. Haven't you read the Bible and heard God's word to you? And what I love about the Bible is that it is living and dynamic and sharper than any two-edged sword. And you can read the same passage of scripture seven days in a row, and it'll say seven different things to you each day. Why? Because you're changing. And the Bible is dynamic, and its message from God changes According to the changes that are happening to you, it speaks of happy times and sad times. We read the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13 when we join two people together in marriage. We read the shepherd's psalm when we comfort a family in grief. And we read the scriptures, we hear God speaking through them to us if we will listen. The story is told about Karl Barth, who was a brilliant German theologian, came to visit America, and he had written an incredible multi tome work of systematic theology. Thick volumes, small print, dealing with the subject of God, and being German, it was so dense. I, I, I honestly don't know anybody that's actually read it, but everybody talks about it. <laughs> One of the press, when Karl Barth arrived, asked him if he could summarize his theology In a simple sentence, years of research, writing, thinking, volumes of work asked to distill everything he thought about God into a single sentence. And the crusty old German theologian paused for a moment and he said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. He was giving his testimony after a lifetime of studying and thinking about God. He was saying, in effect... I know Jesus loves me because the Bible has told me so. L.D. Johnson was a chaplain at Furman University for years, and I I looked him up on the internet, and I think he was the one, I heard the story about um, a professor at, at Furman, I think, who was an interim pastor for 25 years at a church. He was interim for 25 years. And and someone asked him, why didn't you become the pastor? And he said, because I saw how they treated their pastors. (laughs) I thought that was so funny. (laughs) But he was chaplain at Furman University, and uh, he had a cancer about the time he retired and fought a valiant struggle for many years. One day, he called his assistant chaplain to his bedside and asked him to bring him a book. And the assistant said, which book? And Johnson replied, at this point in a man's life, there's only one book. God reveals himself through the scriptures. But again, we need to be honest because just as nature is not a perfect picture of God, scriptures do not reveal God completely either because there are passages of scripture that that frankly, I I scratch my head over. Um, I had a, a friend who was teaching a Bible study and someone came up to him afterwards and said, what do you make of 2 Kings 2? 23 through 35. You've heard of this passage. I've never preached on it, never will. Second Kings 2, 23 through 25. This is Elijah. Oh, Elisha. Went up from there to Bethel, and while he was going up on the way, some small boys came out of the city and jeered at him, saying, Go up, bald head. Go up, you bald head. I'm <laughs> looking around the follically challenged members of our church. He turned around and when he saw them, he cursed them in the name of the Lord and two bears came out of the woods and tore 42 of the boys up. From there, he went on to Mount Carmel and then returned to Samaria. What do you make of that? Youth make fun of Elisha because he was bald and he called down on them a curse from the Lord and two bears came out of the woods and killed 42 young men. Parts of the Bible I just don't understand, especially when I try to square it with what I understand about God. So I mentioned in my 830 sermon this morning, there are parts of the, of the Bible and parts of my understanding of God. I just file away part of my mind called awaiting further light. I don't, I don't worship a God who sends bears to kill some kids because they call somebody a name. How do I know God's not like that? Because I know that God has revealed himself to us in a third way. Because God came to us in flesh and blood and his name is Jesus. The best answer always to what God is like is to point to Jesus. In Jesus is embodied the perfect expression of God's will and God's way In Colossians 1, 19, it says this. In him, meaning Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. The fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And now listen to the effect of that. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood shed on the cross. We need to measure our theology by Jesus before we pronounce it to the world. I hear a lot of people come up with crazy things about God, and it doesn't square with what I understand about Jesus. Much of what we attribute to God's will is not his will at all, at least not according to the life that Jesus lived and the message that Jesus taught. And so we need to quit looking at imperfect pictures of, of God and look at Jesus, because in Jesus, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. I love the story about the man that was visiting the Smithsonian in Washington one day, taking pictures of the wax figures there. And he got to the wax figure of Lady Bird Johnson, but there was standing in front of it, blocking his view, a grandmother and her two granddaughters standing in front of this wax figure looking at it. So he asked her to step to one side so he could take a picture of the wax figure and and the grandmother and two granddaughters politely complied, moved to one side, he took the picture. What he did not know was that he asked the real Lady Bird Johnson to step aside because she was in the museum that day visiting it with her two grandchildren. And so he asked the real Lady Bird Johnson to step aside so he could take a picture of the wax figure. How often are we like that? Seizing on a verse of scripture here or there, applying values handed down to us by grandpa, all the while failing to listen to the words of the Lord who came among us and died for us, revealing to us the the very incarnation of God himself. Never forget the most perfect picture of God. Paul calls him the image of the invisible God is found by looking at Jesus, the image of the invisible God. After the bombing of the Marine headquarters in Beirut in 1983, survivors were flown to the U.S. military hospital in Germany and U.S. Marine Commander General Paul Kelly flew over from Washington to visit the wounded and give them words of encouragement. He came to a Marine who could not see and could not speak. So when the general told him who he was, he reached up for the general's General's shoulders, and he felt the four stars that were on his shoulders. And he knew for a fact that it was four-star General Paul Kelly. We know when we listen to Jesus and what he said, and taught, and when we look at the cross, where we see sorrow and love flowing mingled down, we know that God has come down to us to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. And what we don't understand about God from nature and what we take out of context and misinterpret from scripture, we see in Jesus the perfect fullness of God. So we know he reveals himself to us through nature, and he reveals himself more fully through the Bible, and he reveals himself perfectly through Jesus, but there's a final way that God reveals himself to us. You see, I believe God comes to us in our daily lives and shows himself to us personally time and time again if we will just open our blind eyes and look and listen for him. How many times does God reveal himself to us and we just pass it off as being a coincidence? I don't believe in coincidences. I don't believe in luck. I believe God is at work in this world, revealing himself to us. C.S. Lewis tells a story of a trip he was planning to take to London and he thought before going to London, he better get a haircut. So he uh, he makes arrangements to get a haircut and then word comes in the mail that the need for his trip was canceled and so he decided not to go. And he thought, well, since I don't have to go to London, I'm not gonna get a haircut either. But something kept nagging at him and he couldn't get any peace until he decided to go to the barber anyway and get a haircut. The barber was a friend of his And when C.S. Lewis opened the door and walked in, the barber sighed and smiled and said, I've been praying for you to come today. There's something we need to talk about. A lot of folks would say, aha, coincidence. I don't think so. I had a lady in my last church named Lucille Heflin. And she told me a story about driving one winter night And she was in the mountains rounding a curve and hit a patch of ice and she started sliding. And of all the crazy things to do, she took her hands off the steering wheel and raised them up and just said, Jesus. And the car came to a stop on the shoulder of the road right before heading down an embankment. Coincidence? or miraculous experience of the presence of God. you couldn't prove it, but she felt it. And, and um, you would do well not to argue with her about it. Because the wonder of God is in nature, but not completely. The truth is in scripture but it can be misinterpreted and misapplied. The full wonder and truth is is in Jesus Christ who came among us and died for us. And if you're listening, he stands at the door of our hearts and knocks. And if you let him in, he will come in and dine with you and you with him and you will know him not only through nature and through scripture and through Jesus' words and actions, You'll know him through your own personal experience where he reveals himself to you time and time again. If you'll only open your eyes of faith and see. We've been doing a fun thing on Wednesday nights at the end of most services and especially in uh, business meetings, um, we do God watch. And I ask those present, where have they seen God working that previous week? And it's beginning to catch on a little bit. People are beginning to open up and, and say where they've seen God working and what He's done. And, and um, I think if, if we practice that enough, then we will open our eyes and we will, in God watch, see what He can do, what He is doing, because He's doing it right now. We just need to open our eyes and give Him the credit and the glory and the honor. God reveals himself to us through nature, through scripture, through Jesus. And we know him through our own personal experience. And I think all four of those things together help us form a, a picture of God that will, re, that will show us a little bit about what he's like. Our feeble minds can never comprehend how great God is. But I know he's good. And I know he loves us. And uh, if you've had an experience that made you think otherwise, I hope you'll reconsider. Let's bow together. God, thank you for Revealing yourself to us. Simple creatures. Whom you fashioned. And breathed the breath of life into. And desired to have fellowship with. And so from the very beginning. In the Garden of Eden when. Sin separated us you came looking for us and you've been doing it ever since. You came and revealed yourself and and are just waiting for us to open our eyes wide enough to realize and believe and see. Because believing is seeing. And we ask that you would just help us, Lord, to... Let the scales fall from our eyes. Let the hardness of heart, hardness fall from our hearts. And we will be more aware and more alert to your working around us and among us and within us in the coming days. And when we see you working, we will not rob you of the glory, but we will attribute it To the God who created us in this good world and loves us and came to die for us, that our relationship might be restored. Father, there are folks watching by television tonight who, who don't feel your love and who are hurting and who are searching and struggling. So God, I pray you'll come to them in a special way. And they will know that you're trying, that you are there, and you always have been and always will be. Open our eyes that we might see, God, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing an invitational hymn this evening, Footsteps of Jesus. Those footsteps have gone to prepare the way ahead of us and they're also following after us, tracking us down, wherever you are in your relationship with God. It may be decision time tonight, and if so, I'll be at the front for you to come and share your thoughts, the feelings of the Spirit directing you, professing faith publicly, rededicating your life, joining this church, coming forward to the altar to pray. Please come. 483. We'll stand together and sing.